the J.C. Corcoran Podcast. Just getting warmed up. Happy to see you again. Don't be nervous. Don't be rocky. You're our teenage guest is jockey now. And let me begin by wishing you a beautiful look. Did that voice inside you say, I've heard it all before. It's like deja vu all over Monday, July 10th, 2023, you're at jconthewine.com. The Beatles put out a hard day's night on this date, 1964, 59 years ago. That's one of the reasons I played that. The other reason I played it is because I had a great day yesterday afternoon. The weather was just absolutely magnificent in St. Louis. You know, it wasn't that hot. The humidity was down. It was just beautiful out. So we went down to Kimswick, down to the winery down there, Lachance, and uh, just sat there and listened to Kelly and Clint Trixie Delight 
the big band does great stuff, but then they have Kelly and Clint, just the duo, and they go out and they play smaller venues, and they were playing at the winery yesterday, and Kelly and I are good friends, and Clint, I'm getting to know a little better every time we see him. And uh, my daughter, who is going to be 14 very soon, very, very big fan of Kelly Wilde. And so, at the tail end of their set yesterday, Clint pulls this one out. This is not him performing. This is some guy in Austin, Texas. But it's the same song. And I was laughing my ass off. I don't know why I think this is so funny, but it is. Here's the song that they closed their set with yesterday afternoon down in Kimsway. Ever since I was a young boy, I played this silver ball. From Soho down to Brighton, I must have played them all. But I ain't seen nothing like him in any amusement hall. That deaf, dumb, and blind kid sure plays a mean pinball. He stands like a statue, becomes part of the machine. Feeling all the bumpers, always playing clean. He plays by intuition, I never seen him fall. The deaf, dumb, and blind kid sure plays me Don't hear no buzzes and bells Don't see no lights of flashing He plays by sense of smell He always gets a replay The digit counters fall That deaf, dumb, and blind Kid sure plays a mean pinball He's a pinball wizard He has to be a twist Such a supple wrist He's a pinball wizard His score shoots even more The pinball wizard The world's new pinball lord Like I said, I don't know why I think that's so funny But I think it is That is a riot Right there. I think Kelly's going to be joining us on the new radio show from time to time at 101.5 in St. Louis and 101.7 West. We also stream at kwolf.com, kwulf.com, kwolf.com. Speaking of music, El Monstero with the opening act, Don Felder of the Eagles over the weekend. El Monstero, just fantastic. Although I will say, that's a heavy-duty Keishi draw out there. They're promoting the whole thing. And I get along fine with the people who are on the air. It's the people who are running the place I'm not big fans of. And the people who are trying to eradicate any memory, any trace evidence of the fact that I ever worked there. I guess that makes them feel more important. I don't know. All I did was save the goddamn place. And they treat me and a lot of us, smash included, they treat us like dirt. Luckily, it's not very important to me, so we move on. But anyhow, a lot of dirt bags. Wow. 
This is only my 13-year-old's second concert, and she witnessed a guy getting thrown out. It was a guy of about 6'6", six, six, by the way, and he had been ingesting the loudmouth soup for several hours, apparently, and he was being very, very disruptive. And at like 6'6", six, six, I think the ushers were figuring, um, this guy's really capable of hurting somebody. If something goes wrong, we better get him out of here. And he was not really that interested in leaving, but they finally talked him into uh, just leaving peacefully. The big story, though, as it's turning out, all I did, I didn't pass any judgment on it. I didn't tell you what to think. I didn't even express an opinion on it. All I did was post the picture. And the picture, it, we were in the 17th row, and I think it was the 13th row right in front of us. There was a couple there that had a little baby. When I say a little baby, it was only, I don't know, maybe 10, 11 months old. It wasn't even a year. I mean, babies are born without kneecaps. A lot of people don't know that. This baby didn't even have its kneecaps yet. Now, they did have a set of noise-canceling headphones on this kid, which had to be real comfortable for the baby, by the way. And, you know, they're bouncing the baby on their lab, the baby's lab, and everything like that. But I just put up the picture, and I said, is this cool or is this not cool? Now, if you're on the lawn, I can't imagine there'd be any problem. But being in the 13th row, where even with a pair of noise-canceling headphones on, the... Uh, uh, concussive nature of the music. I mean, you're feeling that stuff pulsating in your chest, in your skeletal frame, and that baby had to be feeling that. And also, uh, there was a trace, I believe, a trace of the wicked weed, Mary Jane Marijuana. And it's one thing for my 13-year-old daughter or the little girl next to me who was eight years old with her mother and handled that maybe a little better, but like a 10-month-old baby? The loud music, the you know, just the percussion of the whole thing, and the weed on top of it. Plus, you have all the lasers and the flashes and the smudge pots, you know, shooting fire and everything like that. This kid's not even one. Look, if you want to take a kid to a show, like like I said, the eight year old, my thirteen year old, that's fine. They're gonna remember it. A 10-month-old baby isn't going to remember it, so what's the point of bringing the baby? Did their babysitter cramp out? In which case, some I've been in that situation many times where you got some big plans. One of the kids comes down with a 101-degree fever, and guess what? Your plans get canceled. That's the way of the world. You're going to have kids. That's the way it goes. They ruin your life every once in a while. Now, now you're sitting next to the family with the baby. That can't be a lot of fun. At some point, the baby is going to get bored, start screaming and fussing and, you know, just causing trouble. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. Although it is interesting. If you go to my Facebook page, the showgram with JC Corcoran, you're going to see a lot. Oh, you see all of the comments and the comments are amusing in terms of the people who are supporting the idea of bringing the baby. It seems to me to be flawed logic but we'll just leave it at that but you can see all the responses some are pretty damned funny el monstero fantastic as usual don felder the opening act damn good guitarist and at the beginning of the show it didn't sound too bad but you know those songs are very very difficult to sing and they were written for don felder to play guitar and for don henley to sing and don henley has tremendous vocal range and don felder he just doesn't it's not a necessarily a criticism. You just not everybody can sing like Don Henley, and Don Felder was not even getting close to some of these notes. 
And that with a couple of minutes left in the show, they're all standing out on stage and the guy's computer broke down. And for 15 minutes, we all just sat there and stared at the stage while these guys walked around on stage waiting for this computer to reboot. And it never did. And so finally, they just went on with the show. And I know people were thinking, well, well, this music is on computer. We're not hearing live music. No, that's not it. There's just effects and also other you know technical things that are involved that a Mac computer can do to enhance the uh, performance of the show and the overall experience. But like I said, you know, the, these songs were difficult songs to sing, and he just plain and simply doesn't have the vocal range. Simple as that. But then, you know, El Monstero comes out, and they just kick the shit out of the show. My God, were they good. I think it's safe to say that El Monstero is a better band than Pink Floyd would be if they even got back together at this point. I have so much to talk about. Back in St. Louis after a couple of days in Chicago, my 13-year-old wanted to see the bean, the big shiny uh, whatever that thing is made of. I don't even know. And we cruised the Magnificent Mile, did a lot of walking, and I have a broken toe, and it's not going very well, and I got a bad hip. I'm falling apart, but we did it anyhow. We ended up at Harry Carey's restaurant on the top floor of Water Tower Place, and that was surprisingly good. There's a chicken nacho dish that they have at Harry Carey's restaurant and a lot of memorabilia. It's really cool up there. So we went up there and then where else did we go? We went and saw a couple of the fancy hotels. Then we got back in the car and then it was the long drive. It was like an hour and 20 minutes out of the loop. And she wanted to see the Home Alone house up in Wilmette. So we went up to the Home Alone house. And just to show you how powerful that movie still is, and again, you got to understand that my daughter watches that movie like four or five times a week. You know, it's 97 degrees outside. I go walking past her room and it's like, Kevin! So she's a big, big fan of the movie. She wanted to see the house. I didn't mind seeing it either. So we drove up to Wilmette, got up there. And just to show you again how powerful that is, there were nine different families, nine different cars that in the, I don't know, we were there maybe 20, 25 minutes, that during that time pulled up. From all over the world, there was one family, and I asked them where they were from because they were Asian, and I couldn't understand it, but the, the, something that sounded like Kazakhstan came out. I mean, these are people coming from the other side of the world to come see the Home Alone house on a random Thursday evening at like 6.30 at night. But my favorite thing is I drove her over to the Baha'i Temple in Wilmette, which is about two blocks off of Lake Michigan, and it is my favorite building in the entire world. If you ever get a chance to go up there, and especially if you get a chance to go in, do it. And it's it's remarkable. It's just a remarkable post a picture online a little bit later on. But anyhow, she she I drive her to the edge of Lake Michigan and she looks at it and goes, That's a lake? It looks like the ocean. I think she was expecting to see something that looked like Creve Core Lake, which is a hop, skip, and a jump from where I'm broadcasting from today. So we did all that, and then we went back downtown again on Friday night, and she wanted to see the city all lit up. So we did that, too, along the Magnificent Mile. Took a lot of pictures, and again, a lot of them already posted on my Facebook page, the showgram with J.C. Corcoran. The Cardinals are teasing us by winning the final game of the first half of the season. The all-star break stuff starts tonight with that dumb home run derby. God, do I hate that. And then the game is tomorrow night. Cardinals won ugly yesterday in Chicago, 4-3 in 10 innings. We're still 11.5 out of first place, last place in the National League Central Division. I'm hearing Jack Flaherty's name bouncing around. In fact, 
Mike Claiborne was on with uh, Cusimano last night on Sports Plus, and he was talking about the fact that, uh, you know, Flaherty's looked really good his last three or four starts, and he made an interesting observation. I thought this was a cool comment. He said, Flaherty has pitched just well enough in those last three or four starts to be good trade bait or for the Cardinals to decide to hang on to him. Cardinals are stuck. They need pitching, and they're going to make a decision. Do you, at 11 and a half games out of the All-Star break, do you say, okay, we're still going to try to win this year. We're, we're, we're going to put together a hot streak. We're going to get some uh, good established pitching in there and see if we can make the big comeback, and you do that. Or do you say, well, we got some pretty good players, perhaps an abundance of outfielders and position players. You know, we might be able to get a couple of really good, strong, young arms. These guys wouldn't mature until, you know, two or three years from now, which is basically them admitting we're rebuilding. So if you're John Mosellock, you know, pretty much anything you're going to do is going to piss people off right now. But look at the Yankees. Yankees are eight games out, and yesterday they fired their GM and their heading coach. We have done nothing. But that trade deadline is coming up, and I think you're going to see some activity. You better. Tom Brady reportedly lost $30 bucks in stock after the cryptocurrency collapse, there's reports it's actually closer to $48 million. And here is perhaps the whitest story you'll hear me do this week. Turns out you can guzzle champagne while you're watching a match at Wimbledon. But there's a catch. You're supposed to pop open the bottle before taking it into the stands. Well, somebody didn't follow that rule yesterday, and an umpire noticed, and right before the serve, he said, ladies and gentlemen, if you're opening a bottle of champagne, you do it as the players are about to serve. Don't do it then. Like I said, white as can be. It was 24 years ago today. 1999, the U.S. women's soccer team won the World Cup. Brandy Chastain running around in her sports bra. Pretty big day, frankly. Pretty big day. Elton John, these numbers are staggering. He played his last show of the final tour over the weekend in Stockholm, Sweden. The tour started in 2018. It got interrupted by COVID, and then Elton hurt his hip, and he had to stop the tour again. But along the way, 330 shows, 6.25 million fans. He played more than 32 million notes, wore 16 Gucci suits. Now he's going to sit and put his feet up somewhere. He's got a house in Atlanta. For a while there, he was living in Atlanta more than he was living anywhere else. Whether you want it or not, you're getting more Laura Hediger on Channel 4. You know, there's always going to be bubblehead bleach blondes with cotton candy hair, fake boobs, dyed hair, an absolute ton of makeup. If you saw her without makeup, you might not recognize her. And she's very, very excited today about the fact that this is National Pina Colada Day, which unfortunately gives people an opportunity, if they have poor judgment, to bring up that stupid fucking song. If you like pina coladas, getting caught in the rain. All right, let's just take a moment here and think about what we're doing. Radio stations uh, test records all the time. They do research. There's different ways that research is done. It's just like the polls they take, you know, for political stuff. You get a certain number of 18 to 24 males, a certain number of 25 to 54-year-old females. You get all these different demographic and socioeconomic breakdowns. 
And then the mathematicians go at it. They throw it into a computer and it spits out the results. And it's like, look, Ron DeSantis isn't going to be president, apparently. They do the same thing with songs on the radio. And one of the highest testing songs, especially for like the KZKs of the world, I think the Arch still plays this. It's that Pina Colada song. And let's just think about it. But what it, the point is, it tests incredibly high with women. Now, just think for a minute. What do women hate more than anything in the world? No, not that. I'm talking about a guy who cheats. Woman goes out with her female friends and she reports to them that my husband or my boyfriend is cheating on me. They band together, they lock arms, and man, you don't want to be that guy. You do not want to be that guy. They will tell everybody in town, he's a cheater. And yet, the fucking Pina Colada song is about a guy who is trying to cheat on his wife, puts an ad in the paper or something, shows up, and it turns out it's the woman in his life because she's looking for something else too. Oh, it's you. My favorite line in the song. Oh, it's you. And then like, I didn't know you liked Pina Colada's getting caught in the rain. You two deserve each other. It is the most illogical thing in the world that women would like that song. And yet they do. One of the highest testing songs ever in the adult contemporary music world. If you like Pina Colada's, Laura. Oh, there's Kent. Oh, I Kent. And then there's Tubby. And one of the tiny little voices in the back seat picked up right where I left off and said, If you like making love at midnight. Oh my, that's disturbing. And I thought, mm, nailed it. I don't know whether to be proud right now or completely embarrassed. Do you really know? Do you know which one it was? I don't. It was just a little <laughs> to this voice. Day. I can't. Most days I can't even tell the difference between them anyway. Well, it is a good song. It's a good drink. And also, yeah. it's National Kitten Day. So, mm. extremes. Pet your cat while you're sipping your pina colada. What the hell is that supposed to mean? Extremes? Pina colada and cats are extremes? Laura, do you know the definition of extreme? Oh, but it's a good song. And Matt Chambers got so many kids you can't even tell which kid is talking. If you're a guy and you're having trouble getting laid lately, and then you watch Matt Chambers on Channel 4, and he's cranking out kids to beat the band. He's got like six or seven kids. You imagine that fat fuck crawling in on top of you every night, and yet somebody's letting him. I gotta turn the TV off. This is getting too fucking depressing. Or at least turn Channel 4 off. But yeah, but there's a new show now. A new show that's gonna, I think it debuts at 3 o'clock today. More Laura Hediger. Who asked for that? All right, the new movie coming out called Oppenheimer, and this is about the invention of the nuclear bomb, the atom bomb, back during World War II. Now, the movie's coming out, and the director is Christopher Nolan, and he says that the movie will include sex scenes and prolonged full nudity. Here's the quote. It's as strong as I've ever done, end quote. There's apparently a love triangle between Cillian Murphy's Oppenheimer, his wife Emily Blunt, and his... On again, off again, mistress and ex fiance Florence Pugh. Cillian and Florence share prolonged full nudity and a sex scene, and Cillian and Emily have pretty heavy, complicated scenes, whatever that means. He will not elaborate any further. That movie is opening later on this summer. Let me take a look at Florence Pugh. I forgot what she looks like. Picture of Florence Pugh. Hmm, cute. Itty bitty titty committee, but cute. I did the story on the radio show earlier this morning. 
It's about all of these famous rockers and show business uh, celebrities who were millionaires and lost all or most of their money. Mick Fleetwood, this is my favorite. He claims he's been bankrupt seven times. He said, I'm like Donald Trump. Mick claims he snorted $60 million worth of coke over the course of his career and once sunk his fortune into an Australian form. $60 million worth of coke! Meatloaf sold more than 40 million copies of Bad Out of Hell six years after the release. He declared bankruptcy. He says he lost a lot of money on lawsuits related to the royalties he was getting. Ted Nugent declared bankruptcy in 1980 following a string of bad investments, including a mink farm, a herd of Clydesdales, and a failed hotel in, of all places, Flint, Michigan. Good idea, Ted. Cindy Lauper went broke before she got famous. She was in a group called Blue Angel and was eventually sued by their manager. She finally climbed out of the hole with her debut album, She's So Unusual, which became a hit. Willie Nelson, at one point back in 1990, owed $32 million in back taxes. Courtney Love, by her own estimate, lost $500 million to shifty lawyers, managers, and banks over the years, Billy Joel hired his own brother-in-law to handle his affairs and got screwed. The guy stole millions from him while also taking out loans and making risky investments in his name. And John Oates of Hall & Oates found out he was broke in 87 and freely admits he just lived above his means. At the time, he claimed that the 50 bucks in his wallet was his only liquid asset. There were some rumors going around that OJ suffered a heart attack. They were, unfortunately, not true. I love this story. The Motion Picture Association of America, they're the ones with the PG-13s and stuff on the movies. And when Meet the Fockers came out, the MPAA said, we're not allowing it. Well, I'll tell you what we'll do. If you can find an actual person with that last name, we'll let you use it. And so they scoured the phone books and telephone records and came up with somebody, the last name Fokker. And so the MPAA said, fine, go ahead. Birthdays today. I don't even remember what she, why is she famous? Uh, she sang for a while. Jessica Simpson is 43. Sophia Vergara looking good at 51. Arlo Guthrie, 76. You know, Arlo's looked 76 for about the last 40 years. Beatles released A Hard Day's Night on this day back in 1964. Chuck Berry on this date in 79, sentenced to four months in prison for tax evasion. And the John Carpenter cult classic, Escape from New York, much of which was shot in St. Louis, particularly at the old bombed-out Fox Theater before the renovation, starred Kurt Russell and everything. That was released on this date back in 1981. I was going to do this on the radio show this morning, and I want to do justice to it, so we'll deal with it tomorrow in both places, both here and also on the radio show. This is the 10th anniversary of them shutting down Crestwood Plaza. And I've got so many fond memories and so many things I want to talk about. I want to make sure I dedicate enough time to it, so we'll do that tomorrow. Moved from Baldwin to Chesterfield on this date back in 1987. Was in Los Angeles on this date back in 1998. Interviewing a then, I think she was either 11 or 12 years old, Lindsay Lowen, the parent trap. And her mom was there too, looking hotter than you can imagine. You know, her, Dina Lowen, odd that I would remember her name after all these years. She wanted to be famous real bad. You know, she she was, she saw her daughter. She's like, well, I would like some of that for me too. And 
never really sort of worked out. And it was on this date back in 1999, and I'm going to uh, protect the identity of the person I was with at this show, Paul Simon, Bob Dylan at Riverport. And this was the first date that I had after I found out that my wife wanted a divorce. My then wife told me in May that she wanted a divorce. And so this was two months later. And of course, what you do when you find out you're getting divorced, you make a real bad judgmental error. And what you do is you go back and you start dating the women that you used to date when you were single because all of them are single again because they're divorced and you're all sort of in the same boat. And you're like, oh, you're divorced too. So am I. And you figure, well, we'll get together again and sort of see what happens. And what happens is it's great for about a week. And then after that, you're like, oh, yeah, now I remember why I didn't end up with this person. But those first couple of dates sometimes can be pretty darn good. And this one was at Riverport. If you count having a uh, having a, uh, a, a popular form of sexual activity way back in the corner of the Riverport Amphitheater, ooh, I remember it well. And finally, JetBlue severing ties with American Airlines and will instead focus on a proposed merger with Spirit Airlines. Apparently, it's all part of a bigger plan to create the world's filthiest in-flight blanket. And with that, the J.C. Corcoran podcast for Monday, July 10th, 2023 is in the can. Beautiful day today, 90 today, 95 tomorrow. Could be getting some storms in here late tomorrow night, overnight into Wednesday and again on Thursday. But it is warm Enjoy it. Summer's going to be, be it's going to be over before you know it. We are here every weekday morning at 11 following the radio show on 101.5 and 101.7 and on kwolf.com. We pop up at 11 o'clock absolutely free. Spread the word, please, on both the radio show and the podcast. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow right here. In the meantime, we've beaten this one to death. Have a good one. See you later. Bye. If you like making love at midnight. Oh, my. The J.C. Corcoran Podcast. 